suicide game just yesterday It's made all that I learned The emptiness of life examined Time can't be Hello out there and welcome to another episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. This is an attempt by me, Joe Moran, and my brother J.S. to provide you with a series of interesting, informative, educational, and yes, we hope enjoyable stories that will help you navigate through those high seas of life. Today, we talk about the trial of the 20th century, part two. We've already informed you in part one. That, that our main focus of the, of the discussion in this episodic adventure is the story of what was called in 1924 the trial of the century, the murder trial of Leopold and Loeb, a murder that they had planned for the better part of a year. That the murder had taken place in Chicago makes total sense because Chicago was a dirty grimy, violent city in 1924. It had been before, and it would be afterwards, and it still is today. And to make this point perfectly clear, let's walk through a baker's dirty dozen of events that have defined a city notable for its blemishes. And then, and then, well, then you be the judge. But first, a quote. You know, author Norman Mailer once wrote, Chicago was a town where nobody could forget how the money was made. It was picked up from the floors, still slippery with blood. And, and let it be readily acknowledged that Norman Mailer himself understood violence and bloodshed firsthand. Yes, he did. On, on one eventful occasion, flustered and pissed off by by fellow New York writer Gore Vidal, who always found a way to get under Norman Mailer's skin and needle him. An angry and an enraged Norman Mailer punched Gore Vidal squarely in the face at an upscale Manhattan cocktail party. You know, and then picking himself up the floor, a decked but nonchalant, unfazed Gore Vidal turned to Norman Mailer and riposted to the shocked revelers, once again, Norman, words have failed you. Oh, quite an indictment of an author. And let it not also be forgotten that Norman Mailer decided that he was the best man to serve as mayor of the troubled city of New York. And on the night that he announced his candidacy for the mayoralty of New York, at the gala to celebrate the commencement of his campaign, an inebriated Norman Mailer stabbed his wife. Oh, my God. It ended his campaign before it began. So as I said, Norman Mailer understood violence, even that of a Chicago variety. And so we return to Chicago. Chicago, a city with a mayor who was assassinated inside his own home. I mean, this could happen anywhere, I guess. But of course, it happened in Chicago. Mayor Carter Harrison was shot in 1893 in his own home by Joseph Prendergast. Uh-oh, a disgruntled Irishman. Hmm. San Francisco is, is the only other city I know of 
that has had its mayor assassinated. And, and that was long before progressives turned what was once, in my opinion, America's coolest, most beautiful city into a literal shithole where the homeless, dope fiends, and criminals have infested the city like vermin and made the streets of San Francisco into the hellhole that it is today. A tragedy of epic proportion. Just a nightmare. But I digress. Of course, of Lord Acton's axiom. That power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. There is Chicago. Where? In 1894, the mayor of Chicago called in the U.S. Army to settle a labor dispute. By God, if the U.S. Army didn't do what armies do best everywhere in the world, when they are on their game, an army shoots people. And in this case, in Chicago, 13 people were, were killed, 57 wounded. And lo and behold, a labor dispute was resolved. It's like Hamburger Hill, only different. You know, oh, on an average July 4th weekend in Chicago, this is about how many people get shot. So I guess it's no big deal. Then, then there was the mayor who gave police the infamous orders when I lived there as a kid when I was 16. Shoot to kill all arsonists and shoot to maim all looters. You know, calling in the coordinates for all that cover fire is is. Is that, could that have been legal? I mean, does a mayor have such authority? Well, it is Chicago. And if bad guys can shoot people by the thousands and thousands each year and nothing is done about that, then why can't a mayor, a mayor of Chicago, order that the good guys, the police, come in and shoot a few people too? Hmm. Especially during rioting when we probably do want the police to shoot more rather than fewer people. I mean, tell me, what's wrong with that? That was the thinking of the mayor. Then there was a time the mayor of Chicago decided he saw nothing wrong with issuing orders to be carried out in the dead of night in a dispute with his own citizens whom owned private airplanes which sat on runways on, in an, on an island airfield within Chicago city limits but situated in Lake Michigan. That he had the he decided that he had the legal power to issue secret orders to city construction crews to rip up and destroy the airport, the runways, in the middle of the night before anybody knew what happened. He was sure that he had such authority to rip up the asphalt and concrete runways, leaving the assets of his own citizens in the form of the stranded aircraft with no possible means. No possible means by which to extract their airplanes, their aircraft, from that demolished airport. Wow. I mean, this is something that I think like Colonel Gaddafi would order or Sultan Erdogan. But the city of Chicago? I mean, the assets were forced to be abandoned with losses mounting to tens of millions of dollars. The mayor of Chicago as Henry VIII. Screw you, citizens. Chicago, the city with the hideous dirty, unsanitary slaughterhouses made so famous by um, author Upton Sinclair. Oh, it was ugly. And then, you know, this is the city also of numerous murderous race riots. 
gang mob rule during the Prohibition era and thereafter. A city in which thousands of people are shot each year, but in which, in the midst of such carnage, the new mayor, so uninterested in the welfare of his own citizenry, but so warped by his commitment to the politics of victimization, that he held an event that very weekend where he said he was happy to announce construction of a memorial to all the people who had been tortured over the years by the city's police force. I mean, I mean this, this resembled a press release, you know, reminiscent of Orwell's Ministry of Love, which in reality was the Ministry of Hate. Yeah, baby, we got our priorities in the right place. And speaking of warped mayoral priorities, the last mayor of Chicago, a microcephalic moron, in the midst of shutting in and shutting down her city under her self-proclaimed absolute COVID powers, deemed herself to be so, so far above the people over whom she ruled that she saw fit to go out in the midst of a pandemic shutdown due to a murderous contagion so lethal it bordered on the Black Plague in order to have her hair done. And when called out and challenged on the degree of, of hypocrisy her actions had demonstrated, she made it memorably clear where she stood, where she saw herself relative to her fellow citizens when she stated, I am an important person and I have a right to look good. Oh man, she was styling. Oh yeah. And I'm, I'm sure her personal partner at least agreed. And she definitely had the right to look fine. I mean, this is a hypocrisy of a nature and to a degree that even Gavin Newsom would be most familiar. Hmm. Chicago also produced uniquely H.H. Holmes and his murder castle, otherwise known as the World's Fair Hotel. He may have been among the country's first admitted serial killers. And inside that hotel, his castle, the World's Fair Hotel, Holmes claims that he had killed 200 people. 200 people. The names of all his victims, hmm, it eluded him, unlike his victims whom proved unable to elude this monster. The names of all the Vicks, you know, they escaped him. There were just so many victims. It was hard to keep them all straight. Hmm, fine. Well, the city charged him with 27 murders, which he didn't deny. And the city of Chicago had Holmes hanged in 1896. Then there was Chicago mass murderer um, Richard Speck, who brutally raped, mutilated, and killed eight student nurses in a single wild night of rampage, cutting off their breasts as souvenirs. Yeah, yeah. His tattoo, Born to Raise Hell, was, if nothing else, it was prophetic. And then, and then who can possibly forget Chicago's own serial killer, Pogo the Clown? John Wayne Gacy, who sadistically and sexually tortured and killed 33 young boys and then buried them in his basement. You know, when John, when John Gacy was electrocuted by the state of Illinois, 
Revelers dressed as clowns danced about wildly, chanting, the clown is down, the clown is down. I mean, more more than saying something about Chicago, the state of Illinois, this just has to speak and tell us something horrible about the twisted psyche of the American people. I am afraid. I really am. You know, Chicago is my kind of town. You know, that's what Frank Sinatra would croon. And he had he had rumored ties with the most notable mobsters, gangsters in Chicago and were well known to the FBI. He he reportedly got along especially swimmingly with the likes of Chicago mob bosses, the Fashetti brothers, Sam Momo Giancana, and Tony Big Tuna Accardo. I mean, he could really, really bring down the pain when the situation called for it. And you know what? In Chicago, it often did. You know, Babyface Nelson, uh, Bugsy Moran, Al Capone, Fra- Frank Nitty. I mean, these guys terrorized Chicago neighborhoods and businesses and, and me- were men of similar ilk. And, you know, they were Frank's kind of men. In my kind of town, Chicago is, yeah. Okay, Frank. Then there's the 602 people that were burned to death in a fire at the Iroquois Theater. 120 years later, this still remains the deadliest building fire in the nation's history, excluding only the World Trade Center terrorist attack. And and so we carry on to paint a picture. And in in some of our, our recent podcasts, We've devoted a fair amount of time to discussing the chilling, the insane levels of violence that have turned Chicago into a war zone. Make it resemble the lawless Congo. And even as I speak these words, people are dying. Just a couple weeks ago at the Juneteenth holiday weekend, as it ended with 60 Chicagoans shot, Chicago's new mayor, Brandon Johnson, thought it best to hold an event dedicated to celebrating the successful funding of a memorial to all those who had been victimized by police torture. It's what the mayor of Chicago wanted to focus upon at that moment, putting a summer of violence on the back burner. And Johnson further bragged that he felt great about raising grant money for eight more new monuments, he croaked. You know, to onlookers and outsiders, It appears that the new Chicago mayor, he forgets that the real role of a mayor, a leader of a city, in part is to make real black lives matter, make black lives better. Hell, as mayor, his duty is to try to make all citizens' lives matter and be better. But he cares more about useless political symbolism, building sterile monuments as Dozens and dozens of real people are being shot all over his city, and he does nothing about it. Then, by the way, this past July 4th weekend, another 80 people were reportedly shot in Chicago in something like 51 or 52 incidents. There exists some confusion as to exactly how many separate shootings had actually taken place. Was there 51 or 52? As if this could possibly matter 
The definition, the meaning of the word separate is also under dispute, under debate in Chicago. And this parsing of events is, of course, vitally important to the city's administration efforts to make the city's streets safer and livable once again. Come on, man. Johnson is one angry and stupid man, and he blames businesses for leaving the city, disinvestment and racism as the primary causes of all, all this violence. What a callous joker mired within the madness. He's not the solution. He's just part of the problem now. And all this just means that since Chicago's new mayor, Brandon Johnson, took office on May 15th, about 300 people have been shot in Chicago under his watch. But look, he's raised sufficient funding um, so as to erect eight new living statues. I mean, what more can we ask of the man? That's what Brandon Johnson is happy about in July of 2023. If he's happy, what else matters? Hmm. Like most Chicago politicians before him have proved, nothing matters more than the exercise of almost unlimited power. What a perverse joke this guy is. The trial of Brandon Johnson has just begun. And if early arguments mean anything, he's not looking good. In fact, he appears to be a total moron. A lot of people are going to get shot while he's mayor of Chicago. The early stats tell us all we need to know. The over-under on this clown is 10,000 Chicagoans will be shot during his first term in office. This is so scary. But that's Chicago of yesterday and today, just a shot away. With the city's rich history in violence better understood, we're hoping that we can now focus on the Chicago of 100 years ago, devoting our energy to what else? Violent crime, murder, the murder trial of the century, the trial of the century. And it took place in Chicago. And that is what we are going to focus on in our next episode of Things I Learned While Learning Other Things. Hey, thanks for listening and hope you'll tune in again. Bye-bye. I slip from the harbor, head out to the sea. Crystal blue water surrounding me. Tap to the wind. Taste the sea breeze Tropical heaven On the coral sea A little more rum I think of my wife What did I do? Have I ruined my life? I tell her I've changed Become a new man I promise I will And I know that I can When did the skies change? When did we turn back? How am I ever gonna get myself back? The sea's now boiling and I'm getting cold I've lost my sails, got to find a way home Alone in my boat, I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life
it is worse than I no control The wind and the waves are taking their toll I look to the stars, there's none I can see I'm afraid fate she has answered me Only moments my story will end And there was a story I wanted to send Oh how I dream for the calm of the sea A beautiful face smiling back at me The sea is boiling and I'm getting cold Lost my sails, got to find a way home When did the skies change, when did they turn black? How am I ever gonna get myself back? Alone in my boat, I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high seas of life When did the skies change, when did they turn black? How am I ever gonna get myself back Alone in my boat I think of my wife I'm lost in a drift on the high sea